Hello and thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. Conversation that inspire, that's how it's called, is a conversation podcast by me, Romain Lorec, where I talk with people who've achieved great things and have inspired me greatly. I seek to learn from them and share our findings with you on here. Guests have included athletes, artists, business people, chefs and others. If you do like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you usually get your podcast. This will really help the show and you'll get the next episodes right onto your device as soon as they come out. You can find more information on the website, which is conversations that inspire one word dot wordpress.com. That's conversations that inspire dot wordpress.com. Or you can contact me on Twitter at Romain Podcast. One word. Have a great episode today and looking forward to hearing from you. Take care. Jamal. Jamal. <laughs> yeah, I got that once. <laughs> That's a bit of a shortcut. Yeah, Jamal. yeah. Got that in the US a lot. Yeah. But I usually use my second name, Max, when I'm Max. abroad. Yeah. Much easier. Much easier. Yeah. I usually go by uh, John or anything else. <laughs> Otherwise, I get called uh, Rom- Roman. <laughs> Romain. So, uh, uh, thanks for uh, doing this today. Uh, Thanks for having me. And so we're uh, sitting in the boardroom. I'll call that the boardroom of your company <laughs> called yeah. Karma. And you're a co-founder, CEO and investor in that company. Yeah. Can you, uh, for those who, the people who don't know Karma, can you give a quick elevator pitch of what it is? Absolutely. Uh, Karma is a digital platform where restaurant, uh, cafes and grocery stores can sell their surplus food. Uh, and as a user, you can get food for a discounted price before it expires. Hmm. So rescue food, basically. Yes. So that's a big value proposition of that uh, the company, the caring for the environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And uh, were you there from? Were you with the company from the from the start of the yeah. journey? Yeah. Yes. Uh, we started in September two thousand and fifteen. Okay. Uh, and we actually started out as a, a deal sharing platform. Okay. So if you downloaded Karma back then, you could mm. find deals on town, like mm-hmm. in a shopping window. You could snap a photo of that deal and you can share it with other Karma users. Okay. So we were collecting a lot of like usage data on yeah. on how people were interacting with different offers. Mm. Um, and then s- we we actually found out like the two most popular offers because this was it was kind of a wide value proposition. Mm. You could get avocados three for the price of two alongside uh, a wholesale for clothes somewhere mm. uh, so it was difficult to market uh, the product Imagine. to to a specific user mm. group um, but we saw two really strong like segments in this app mm. and one of them was uh, restaurants that had offers on food like after lunch rush hour you could get food for half price that was really popular in the app uh, and the other segment was wholesales so as soon as Great. like a brand were having a one-day fire sale for clothes. So it was by tracking user behavior that you were able to identify what, what your users were looking for. Yeah, yeah. And then we saw like uh, these two seem popular. Yeah. Uh, how about we combine these two mm. into one segment? So we created this like one-day sale for, for food. Yeah. Um, and then we started looking into like, is there a market for this? And then we saw this huge environmental impact that surplus food has that mm. one third of all food produced is, is mm. never consumed mm. and uh, yeah, it was kind of an eye opener for us and mm. we said like this is definitely what we're going to do 
And when did you pivot to that? Um, it's almost a year ago now uh, when we started to move to that idea. Mm. And uh, then we spent the summer of 2016 and the beginning of fall making tests. Uh, um, we, we narrowed down the platform to handle the food waste mm. issue. Um, and um, yeah, we're doing a lot of tests both with users and with restaurants to make sure that the platform that we built for them was as good as it could be like mm. uh, ironing out any yeah. like hiccups in the platform. What was one thing that really didn't work well and you were able to... Uh... It was the time it took to actually input your stuff. So if you mm. had surplus food, you had to manually type in all the ingredients and everything. And, mm. and we simplified that process a lot. So now it's less than 15 seconds for okay. uh, a restaurant or a grocery store to get going for, oh. for the day. What is that? Is that a file upload or something different? Uh, no, they actually input it once and then we store it and we can ah. do intelligent suggestions for them. Okay. Uh, and also uh, we have, uh, there's a, a whole bunch of small systems like mm. making it uh, making it easier for them, like mm. auto categorization and uh, ingredient matching. And yeah, a mm. lot of stuff mm. to make sure that they put as little input as possible and get as mu- much out Beautiful. as possible. And so before we met today, you had a, a board meeting. Yeah. You've got, uh, you had an investor uh, meeting before with one of your existing investors. Yeah. Yeah. There's another meeting coming after that. <laughs> yeah. So, so one year in on this uh, pivoted product or service, what's the picture? Uh, I'm sorry. How do you mean? What's how, the... how's, how does it look for you? How's the, how does the growth look for you? Oh, it's looking very, very well. Uh, the last couple of months have been like, we've seen tremendous growth. Um, we started like we launched the platform mm. in November and we mm. had like 60k in monthly revenue like Swedish yeah. kroner so 6,000 euros mm. and uh, now I mean we can sell for uh, 2,000 euros on one day mm. uh, so it, it definitely grew from there oh, and mm. uh, since last month we've grown like the monthly turnover by um, over 100% okay uh, so we're we're very excited to see what we can do for the future. I mean, everything is is growing, even mm. like the amount of purchases made by each user, the number of users purchasing yep. for the first time, um, the number of grocery stores that want to join, the number of restaurants joining the platform by self sign up. So everything is going the right direction. So we're hoping that we can keep the pace up. It sounds like exponential. And one of the ways I got to know about the the app and what you guys did was by hearing about it around me. Uh, consumers telling me, oh, you should check that. It's really great. Oh, nice. So after hearing several times about it, then that's how, uh, you know, I got to hear about it. So that was really organic in that sense that I got to uh, discover it. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. What did they say? What was the, why did they recommend it? Uh, that was the, the key selling point for them was what you talked about. I mean, there were two things. Environment, that was a big concern, half of it. And then the the price price point yeah. uh, for them was get really good food at uh, affordable prices. So the oh, segment nice. the segment I'm talking about was mostly uh, students in that. Yeah, for yeah. the ones I mentioned. Yeah, and that's one of the target groups mm. for us. Also, I mean, anyone working, uh, mm. you usually yes. bring your food box here in Sweden, yeah. and it can be nice to. Uh, I mean, and a lot of us are taking late lunches or. Uh-huh we're able to walk by a really good restaurant on our way home. Mm. And that's probably where, where karma like fits into your life. Mm. Um, you pick it up on your way home or mm. on your way to work or 
by taking a short walk after lunch. Mm. And so how, how, how is it for you to be a CEO of this company? It's great. I mean, it's it's easy because I have a great team. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's like. I mean, I've been CEO for a business to business company before oh. this, uh, but uh, and that was pretty similar. I also mm. had great people around me. Mm. Uh, that makes it a lot easier. Mm. And besides from that, I don't have that much CEO experience. Mm. So uh, I can't really say. Is that a... Um is that the fact that you don't have much CEO experience, how do you approach that in your everyday uh, life? I mean, you, you get the experience you need as you go, especially mm. in the startup. So I would say, uh, yeah, I mean, since starting with this, I mean, mm. my first venture was in 2007, even before mm. I, uh, I uh, went to med school. Um, and uh, since then i would say i mean i'm a completely different person back then i didn't know anything about employees mm. i didn't know anything about how to run a company i didn't even yeah. know how to set up one um and now um, there's this whole like different yeah. category of questions like how do we balance the budget sheet? You know, <laughs> all of these yeah. like uh exciting ceo stuff that you do yeah. um so uh yeah i would say like you learn as you go mm. i wouldn't say there I mean, of course, if you're going to step into an existing big company, you need to have experience mm. from that level. Yeah. But I mean, getting to that level, you get the experience as you go. Did you feel like you had to reach out to uh, mentors, for example, uh, to help you be successful in this position? I never actually had to reach out for them. Um, I've I've been lucky in that sense that people have shown up along the way. Yeah. So, for instance, like some of our earlier investors have been really good support and some of the later investors mm. as well. I mean, we've found some really, really good people that we, both mm. me and the rest of the founding team can talk to. Uh, like whenever we want, we can just okay. pick up the phone and, and ask them. Yeah. So they're active investors in that in that sense that they're here to Absolutely. To I mean, you. that's one of the, the cornerstones of Karma that I yeah. mean, we, we, we wouldn't bring someone on just because they could invest the money in the company. Mm. Uh, we're more interested in like, their experience and, mm. and what they can do like how they can help us mm. uh, grow both as a company but also as individuals do you think that's a policy if i can say that specific to karma or many startups here share that no i think a lot of startups uh, try to do that i think uh, not all startups succeed to do that i mean my first startup we had no investors my mm. second startup we had uh, a few investors mm. and most of them weren't that active mm. um and then this one, I mean, you learn as you go with that mm. as well. So was that a, a lesson you took from your previous company that you wanted active investors? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I saw that I saw the value of it in yeah. my second startup, like when they were active and when you had someone that you can talk to, mm. it really makes a difference. Mm. So it's um, it was definitely worth yeah. it. And then, I mean, it has to be on a reasonable level. It's yeah. in the end, you're the one building the company or you as a team. So it's... Mm. Um, yeah, it has to be reasonable. You can't rely too much on them. And is there a, a scenario in which you see yourself taking on board non-active investors and be fine with that? Absolutely. I mean, there's also a like there's a limit to how many active investors you can have and, and benefit from. Hmm. Uh, but I mean, if they're not going to be active, like being able to to uh, talk about daily operations or, or mm. specific things, then at least they should be a good spokesperson for the company. Mm. So I would probably look at that as mm. a secondary. 
Um, then, um, did you discard the idea of crowdfunding? Yeah, crowdfunding has never been an option for Karma. Um, I think both because we've had a solid like funding base with uh, traditional investors, mm. uh, and also their crowdfa- crowdfunding has a lot of benefits, but also a lot of pitfalls. Uh, one of the co-founders, Ludwig uh, Berling, actually wrote his thesis about crowdfunding and it pitfalls. So okay. <laughs> we have someone who actually looked at the dark side of crowdfunding, yeah. if you could call it that. Yeah. For a lot of companies, it's good, uh, especially if you have like a product you want to sell. You can basically like get proven mm. traction before you even start making the product mm. by crowdfunding. But in the case of Karma, I mean, we, we knew we had to build that platform anyways. So... Mm crowdfunding would probably not be the best option for mm. personal opinion yeah, <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> someone's going to do a similar company crowdfunding is going to be a huge success but uh, well, yeah you seem to be doing good so far so yeah absolutely there's always that opportunity cost you might think what if but in this case your growth is there and you're hitting the numbers it is I mean we do have competitors but we feel very confident that we're we're building the best product mm. out there and mm. we're giving the users and the customers mm. exactly what they want and they need so mm. uh, as long as we keep doing that i think we're going to be just fine and um, making a transition now in a different life you um, uh, you were a lecturer and uh, your education is in uh, medicine you're a doctor in medicine yeah that's true can you tell about or i'm a medical doctor yeah, if i was a doctor in medicine yeah. some people are going to listen to this and say like oh it's not a doctor okay it's so the right doctor. the right term is a medical med- doctor medical probably doctor, i mean yes. you uh, if i was a doctor in medicine i that means i i um i don't even know the english word for it yeah i like wrote my thesis for, uh, and you'd be a researcher or yeah you would have to PhD. do research and yeah phd yeah. there you have it sorry um and I haven't done any PhD. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm a medical doctor. Yeah. So I can yeah. I can practice medicine. So uh, I'm. Uh, that was one of the things that I think stood out from my perspective when I glanced over your uh, your track record, if I can say that way, was that that difference. It's uh, it's not very common, I think, uh, from what I've seen to go from there to this, and mm-hmm. I wanted to know what was behind that story um um yeah there's a lot of uh, behind that story but um i love medicine it's fantastic especially to like meet the patients mm-hmm. it's uh, that's what really makes makes it a fun job you meet a lot of new people every day and you get to know them very well in a very short time um and i love that but uh that being said since uh, since the age of 13 I've been programming a lot, uh, first just for fun, then I realized this could be a really nice extra job or like a side job to uh, earn extra money. Um, And when the iPhone came out uh, and they released like the SDK so you could program for the iPhone, I Mm -hmm. dove into that and I found that really, really exciting. So like when I was going to, um, I had, two grades actually that that wasn't the highest grade from from the upper secondary school which Mm. made it impossible for me to apply to med school so i would have to do the uh, the swedish högskoleprov which is almost like the sats in the Mm. us and um, 
to do that, you would have to get a pretty high score uh, mm. on on Prove So I uh, I looked at like how can I do that, and that was my first company, if you can call it that. I created a website called hpprov.se, uh, which is like a, a website where you can practice for Högskoleprovet. Is it still online? It's still online, <laughs> yes. It's pretty outdated, but yeah. there's a lot of people yeah. using it. Uh, I think there's like 40,000 registered users. Okay. Uh, but it's free to use. Yeah, I, we'll wouldn't, I would probably not recommend using it nowadays. Uh, you know, they've <laughs> changed the test a little <laughs> bit. I was but about to suggest we put a link in the show notes, but uh, then we'll don't do maybe that. We'll prevent that. Don't do that. No, but yeah. I, it was a really good experience yeah. for me to like have this. It was a huge project. It took yeah. me and a friend almost a year to build mm. it. Okay. Um, and uh, learned a lot along the way mm. in like how you build products and yeah. uh, like deadlines so and maintaining a product. That was interesting. So tech was always uh, in the back of your mind yeah. uh, from yeah. that early on. Yeah. Um, uh, what what sort of support did you get from uh, people around you uh, when you this when you uh, what it looks like you quit full time medicine and then you dove r- full time into tech which is yeah. what you're doing now yeah um, uh, well I think most people looked at it and said like that guy's crazy why would someone do that uh, which is fine I mean <laughs> I I I didn't really try to defend it I said like this is what I want to do mm. and so I did it. Um, one day I might go back to medicine. I don't know. Uh, there's a long life ahead mm. of me, hopefully. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, I, I I got support from different places. I mean, some of our early investors, when I went on full time, they were really supportive. Um, I think they saw the potential what both I and like the team could do together. Um, also, like parents and and close friends were very supportive, mm. uh, which was important to me. Mm. I mean, I probably couldn't have done it without them. So the core, your the core relationships, I mean, yeah, first, yeah, yeah. As soon as you went outside the core <laughs> relationships, fair, you yeah. you were out in, in on deep water. Yeah, but the fact that you had that support from them really in, enabled you in that sense to really follow. Yeah, uh, and I've, I've had this kind of mentality. Whenever someone says I can't do something, that's when I have to do it. <laughs> kind of stubborn yeah. mentality. But uh, I think that helped a lot as well. Yeah. Even in the core, mm. people said, uh, I couldn't do this or I shouldn't do this. It would never work. It's mm. a stupid move. Mm. And then I had to do it. I had to prove that I could do it. Uh, so that's perfect now. Mm. Like when investors are saying like, it's impossible to grow like that. We're like, yes, that's exactly yeah. what we want to hear. <laughs> in some sense, that's a good, um, a good um, uh, mindset to have. Yes. Uh, yeah, it and, is. And so you... During the time when you um, you studied, you also, you also lectured in, in psychology. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, um, I mean this is it's a it's on a basic level, but yeah, for yeah. younger med students. So this got me wondering if there were some things that some skills that you picked along the way that you think really help you today. Um, I've always had uh, a pretty easy time being in front of other people, like being on stage. I was in the mm the specs i don't know the english word for specs but the the theatrical group probably okay uh at med school um which uh i mean it's probably ridiculous in a lot of people's (laughs) eyes but it builds character i mean you get comfortable saying silly things in front of loads of people and uh i think that's a, a really important skill that i both 
uh, brought into like lecturing physiology, but also uh, when like starting the company, pitching to investors isn't really mm. that different. You have mm. a crazy idea that you want them to mm. believe in. Did you join that um, theater to improve on that or you think you're already good at that and you wanted to keep up? I wanted to keep up. Yeah. I went to a, a music school called Adolf Fredriks Musikklasser yeah. mm. uh, when I was younger. So I've been singing for a choir for five mm. years. So like singing and concerts and everything mm. has always been like very close to the mm. heart. Mm. Uh, so it was, and I mean, the people there are really identified with them. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, made some probably lifelong friends there, which okay. is, uh, it, it helped as well. Mm. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a really big goal of mine to be more comfortable speaking in front of a crowd. And, uh, you uh, should do the specs then. It's yeah. horrible. You get, <laughs> you get forced on stage yeah. and then they say, like, you have to improvise. That's yeah. kind of the thing for, for at least uh, uh, Karolinski Institute. They throw you in the specs. water and you, you swim as you, as you land. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You were telling about that mentality of wanting to prove wrong and um, are there other big identified things that motivate you to come do this? Um, I've always had very like good self-esteem. Uh, I think <laughs> I've always had the feeling that I could build something like this mm -hmm. and I, I mean build something huge. Um, I mean I have all of these like crazy ideas in the future where I I want to be able to help put people on Mars. You, you know, mm -hmm. it's that kind of scope. Yeah. So karma in that yeah. sense is is pretty basic stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, it's it's a it's a curse in the sense that I I really feel like that's what I, that's where I need to go. I mean, that's the uh, it's not the end goal, but it's 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 out there. And uh, I always strive to like build something as big oh. as possible uh, to get close to that okay um but yeah it's um and, and karma is is definitely one step along the way uh i think mm. that and i mean when i find something like this i i go for it like 100 it was the same with building that site when it was done it was done that was great i think uh, karma is going to be a long journey it's probably just started and um Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. And I think it's going to be an important one for me and the team. And how do you prioritize with uh, all those other crazy projects you have? Uh, I mean, this is this is the, by far the craziest project mm. I have right now. And it's the only one. I mean, the other ones are... Um, I mean, the previous ventures are my previous ventures. I don't do them mm. anymore. Um, I don't have that many other projects running. I wouldn't mm. have the time. It's uh, This is more than full time. Mm. And when will you start uh, trying to send people on Mars? <laughs> I don't know if I ever will, mm. but uh, I mean, sometime in the future yeah. is probably the realistic answer. And how do you how do you follow, follow up with the technology? What's going on? What's next? Uh, I'm super tech interested, so I try to keep up with like tech blogs and podcasts. Yeah. Um, Can you give a few examples, a few sources? Uh, this week in startups is a really yeah. good one um, and also I mean I read Gizmodo mm. uh, a lot it's probably mm. a pseudo tech blog <laughs> um, what else yeah I always keep up with like the presentations from mm. Google and Apple and yeah. like the bigger companies but other than that I mean I'm, I'm not that big of a tech fan that I go mm. into deta more detail level than yeah. that and you talked about podcast also 
Oh yeah, that, that's probably this week in yeah. startups. That's, oh, the, yeah, that's the the, the um, one of my favorites. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that one comes up often uh, in this uh, it's, sphere. It's a good one, and yeah. I mean, he usually has good guests as mm. well, so it's an interesting one to listen to. Mm. And uh, how would you describe the startup at, um, ecosystem here uh, in Stockholm or Sweden more generally? What's it's your... great. I mean, it's really, really great. Uh, people went from thinking startup is something that just risk-taking weird people are doing mm. to it's something that's really acceptable even like when you're talking to people not running startups uh, it's almost something uh, it's something good and um, there's a lot of good communities like sub 46 where we were sitting earlier um, yeah it's um, mm. it's a really it's a it's a nice climate to to yeah. have a startup in yeah sub 46 is um I've been really impressed by the people that I've met there, the structure itself also. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've also heard the two sides of the coin. Some of the startups that were there before and, and left, left, for example, because it was very hard to concentrate and get things done when being around so many other uh, companies and with constant disruption. Maybe that's just them. You thought that was a very positive environment to be in. Uh, yeah, I did. I th I think it's a very positive environment because we had our own room at Sub Forty Six, mm. and I, that's crucial for us. Um, yeah. We've always been very keen on like keeping to ourselves yeah. to be able to build the company culture. Mm. Uh, I don't think we could sit like in the open space and build Karma the way we've built it. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I would say from my experience, Sub Forty Six was great, but mm. I was behind a glass wall <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> So uh, I, that might differ from mm. from uh, what people like in the landscape are thinking yes. about how it is working there. Yeah, maybe that was a purely practical thing of just being in the noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, and did you feel that uh, being around other startups contributed in the way you've uh, evolved as a com as a company? Yeah, I think it's um, yes and no. I mean, on the in the, on the grand scale of things, probably not on the small mm. scale of things like daily operations it was always nice to see that other people were working late mm. like giving everything taking mm. no salary all of the stuff that you were doing but like you could see other people were fighting as well and i think that was it was a good motivator mm. like you weren't the only one um and uh, yeah i mean just the the atmosphere it's it's a very forgiving atmosphere like Everyone is trying to make it. Everyone is trying to get revenue, find how to get customers and users, and and uh, you share like the same problems, but you come from different angles, and mm -hmm. that's it gives some sort of greater purpose uh, mm -hmm. to that. You're all trying to do something, mm. uh, and it's the same thing, but it's completely different. Mm. It's hard to explain, but it, it yeah. actually gives substance to like it's like being a there. matrix. It goes you you find some values and some behaviors cross organization and you can really, yeah, I, I understand have this sense of identity from being around all those people. You're not working on the same project, but you're really, you're showing the same uh, skills and motivation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, one of the, uh, an investor that I talked to, uh, Daniel Loren. Yeah. Um, one of one of his explanations for Sweden being so successful as a startup was the this culture of a, a flat hierarchy, of being very good at working together as a team. Oh yeah, can you relate to that? Absolutely. I mean, uh, even though I'm the CEO 
uh, with the title. Uh, mm. I mean, we're four founders and we work in a very flat structure mm. to make sure that the daily operations are, are working as they should. Um, and also like in the team, we try to involve them as much as possible when creating the product and coming up with new ideas. And we don't try to micromanage and stuff mm. like that. And I think that's important, not only for the startup, but also for your own like sanity. sanity. <laughs> I think it's, uh, uh, I mean, Karma, for instance, now has it's grown to a scale where I couldn't possibly be doing that uh, and do it good. So at some point you have to rely on that uh, other people are going to do it. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, like when you first start to let go of bigger areas or I mean, when you stop like being the one executing in those areas, um, it's a bit shaky. You feel a bit like, oh, how is this going to go? Mm. But in my experience, it's been it's been really, really good. And it mm. usually gives you even more of an like a good perspective on mm. how the whole business is is going yeah and you for example if you let go of a, an area of a, or a project do you do you fade it out progressively or is it uh, you let it go and then you don't look back until no usually fade it out progressively mm. and then uh, like getting updates instead mm. so i mean we have something here that we call the dri the directly responsible individual for mm. a certain area Mm. Uh, and it's uh, if you're the DRI you're the one who gets like most of the credit I mean the team should get some credit mm. but you get most of the credit and uh, if something goes horribly wrong in that area you're the one who's going to get the blame uh, and I think I mean it's both a stick and a carrot thing mm. so it's um, uh, that's something that's been very important for us someone needs to be responsible before you can say not everyone is going to be in this mm. area anymore. And uh, did you keep the same responsi the same responsibilities um, among founders since the inception, or have some things shifted around based on capabilities? Oh, that's shifting around constantly, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, we try to do as much as we can, uh, like with the capacity that we mm. have. But uh, I mean, we're we're limited as well to mm. <laughs> like the twenty four hours of the day and. And we try to shuffle around uh, mm. tasks as well, just yeah. to make sure that we all mm. like develop as individuals. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we have our our main areas of responsibilities. Mm. And something that's uh, almost a signature to Scandinavia is a, a big emphasis on the um, work-life balance. Yeah. How does that translate for you? Uh, I would say it translates uh, semi. <laughs> to, to karma <laughs> i would say work <laughs> we we usually joke around here that work is life balance yeah. so uh um yeah there's a lot of work uh probably uh more than what's healthy sometimes mm. uh but i mean that's something that we stated early on that we want to make sure that we give it all everyone and we did as founders it's not like we hired people to give it all and then we lean back mm. but i mean we're constantly giving everything that we can to make sure that this company is successful um and i think that's where like most of the success comes from we we constantly work our asses off and we make sure that when people start here they should feel the same mm. that this is what you want to do 
Um, this is not a nine to five job uh, where you get a great salary and you go home and you let go of work. Mm. I mean, some days, absolutely, mm. but that's a that's mm. a life day, if you if you will. Uh, so, uh, how uh, do you find people that are in thinking? Um, at first, it was quite difficult to find people who had this kind of mentality that could just jump in and then adapt to working like this. Uh, people usually want to like really focus on the work-life balance like you're saying mm. but uh, as soon as we found the first ones uh, the rest has gone pretty much by itself I mean talent attracts talent mm. like a lot of people say so it's uh, I mean when we hired some really good people uh, other good people find it yeah. more attractive to work here yeah. so when they try it out they're more likely to stay for instance and that's mm. been very important for us and you were talking about low salaries Uh, is that still when you hire talents or are you, are you able to compete with other companies on the same market? Oh, we're absolutely able to compete to other companies on the same market. Um, but I would say like at the stage where we are now, uh, I mean, we probably we can't match a Spotify salary uh, mm. where we are today, uh, but we compensate with fun. <laughs> so, so hopefully you want to come here anyways no other financial incentives but that's the whole package that's uh, i mean we we do it on an individual basis yeah, okay. so it's everything is up for discussion mm, mm. are you uh are you ever stressed it depends on how i mean yes i can be stressed absolutely but then it's usually that it's a lot of things at once like today for instance mm. is a is a pretty hectic day um But it doesn't really, I mean, it's almost always like this. So you find some kind of equilibrium where you're like, mm. you're fine with it. And then you mm. learn to have that as your base level. And it's not that stressful anymore. It's more like, that's what a day looks like. You're comfortable in that equilibrium. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. I'm, uh, I mean, I easily get bored. So <laughs> I think. What makes you bored? Uh, not having anything to do mm. like that's the worst that's the worst but then again i usually think like louis ck the comedian he he said once in a talk show that sometimes you just need to be bored that it's part of being human mm. and uh, i think he's very right about that so i try <laughs> i try really hard to think about that mm. when i'm bored and say like oh, i need to i need to like try to be bored right now mm. without doing anything mm. and then it works usually not always for a little bit for a little while <laughs> then you get too yeah. bored and then it's yeah no i'm the same i i think the, when i look back the moments that i i think that i enjoy the less are the moments when i'm bored and i don't have much to do yeah. just that that leaves too much time to think yeah when i was a child i remember that i once did like i was staring at a clock for one hour just to see if i could be bored for one hour That was a, a grave mistake because after that everything felt like it was going so fast. <laughs> because you, you, you know, when you do something fun, time flies, and when you've done something as boring as just watching a clock for one hour, then one hour is never the same again. That's a fun story to tell. Yeah, I remember that I was scared that I would never get the same <laughs> perception of time again. You are pretty creative with stuff to do. <laughs> Watch a clock for an hour. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a it's a weird thing but i was mm. i was very young mm. is there a 
is there a moment in your life when you think you could have gone into a more corporate world rather than uh, being your own boss? I don't know. If I was going that way, I would probably go back to being a doctor. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I love that. It's just that Swedish healthcare really lacks innovation today. It's really hard to be progressive uh, and work inside government regulated healthcare yeah. today. And um, I believe that so the the venture fund that you're part of um, describes also investing or wanting to invest in uh, medical technology. Yeah, that's mainly because it's my personal interest. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love to hear med tech pitches, mm. uh, mostly because a lot of them don't realize how unrealistic they are <laughs> for to actually be used in healthcare. I mean, there's some great ideas, but they could never work in today's climate. Maybe in 50 years, maybe in 100 years. But what's what's on the what's the obstacle? Well, what are the main obstacles? Oh, it's the it's the um, like the tardiness of. Uh, healthcare you can't introduce new treatment methods without having them backed up by scientific proof that they work so even if i invent this fantastic new product yeah. i mean you need to conduct a study that proves that you're right you need to do double blinded tests to make sure that it's not like it can't be coincidence yeah. um and it's um i i really like companies that have thought this through that uh, they are like taking this more scientific approach to improving healthcare mm. I think that's crucial and that's the biggest problem for most medtech companies they have no evidence at all that it actually reduces risks or I mean they a lot of medtech is nice to have but they they need to be like game changers for healthcare mm. to implement them yeah and you're you're telling you're talking about the process of having a new medicine being validated and in the in the US the FDA can take five ten years to yeah 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 to look I at mean that. is that the same it's not uh, I would say it's similar it's not necessarily the same mm. uh, but it's not just medicines it's also for like new processes I mean there's a reason a, a hospital is built around certain processes and if you introduce a new one or a new system or you need to be able to prove that system actually increases the quality of life mm. or the number of people you can like manage in a hospital mm. all of that stuff is super important and i feel like a lot of medtech companies with great ideas kind of glance over that and say like oh it's gonna work mm. and that's it's a shame because i mean some of them are probably going to work some of them are probably not going to work and then they they're better off spending their time on creating something different and um so you were saying that you get pitched a lot uh medtech do you see a, a trend i mean uh, a growth in that uh, in the number of uh, startups in that sector uh yeah i mean there's all sort of innovations coming out of that field uh like it's not just we built this new amazing system but it's all kinds of like wearable tech and mm. yeah a lot of stuff but um yeah i wouldn't say i get pitched a lot <laughs> not these days when i'm focused on <laughs> but, karma uh, but i love the idea of um having uh, you know saying as part of your description of your font that's what we invest in and <laughs> the reason <laughs> the primary reason being you want to you know be pitched and keep up with the, the industry on that one yeah i mean if if i found i mean there are some medtech companies out there that i'm 
like I I wouldn't mind advising them mm. on like from my perspective yeah. what they could do. Uh, mm. Then it, it maybe wouldn't be useful information mm. for them, but some of them I'm already like giving input to, and it's um, it's very valuable for me to be able to see, like get insight into how other companies are run, yeah. but also. I think that like coming from the clinical side of things you see some some things a lot different yeah mm-hmm. uh, than if you're a, a pure entrepreneur you really understand what the expect- expectations are on the system side yeah no. I, I mean I understand more than mm. than average Joe but I wouldn't say I'm an expert mm. on that either I'm, I'm an mm. expert at karma for the <laughs> moment that's the only thing I can brag yeah. about I think uh, one thing that I'm super curious of is a board meeting and I think your reason for that is that it's very mystic for me almost because go knock on doors and ask can I attend your board meeting that cannot happen so there's a whole mystery for me around you know this high power meeting can you tell a bit about what what a board meeting looks like for you Uh, it's pretty straightforward I would say we have like an average agenda that when you like recap what happened during the last board meeting and what happened since the last board meeting uh, what are the like major strategies ahead are we following like the vision and mission of the company that we should be doing it's I think it sounds more mystic than it is mm. but it's as we've grown as a company I mean it, it it's becoming more and more mystic you know I mean in the beginning it was the four of us sitting in the same room having a, a meeting like any other day and now at least it's external investors and you have like external board members mm. with completely different input than you have yeah. which is very interesting is that a tough learning curve for you are there questions that you didn't expect and now they're very serious mm, I'd say like as soon as you get the questions you that's when the learning curve starts I would mm. uh, it's a it's a difficult question because I don't think I mean you can prepare to be excellent at a board meeting you just attend and then you get like follow up questions for the next meeting or for the next few days after the meeting um, I wouldn't say that I've, I'm like I became better at oh, maybe like the structure of the board meeting like yeah it's probably more efficient now than when than it was before but but i mean the questions that pop up it's new questions every time i don't think it's something i could ever prepare for Mm. or as some of the questions at Mm. least and you get your you also get input on strategy at that point because you were also telling about those active investors that give you that all along the way yeah yeah absolutely and i mean it's it's really the board that sets the the strategy ahead as a Mm. but but like at this stage of the company it's still very much with the founders to say like what are we doing on a daily operations basis the the board is more to be able to see are we going in the completely wrong direction and um it's like a formal checkpoint but you also have all these informal checkpoints with them yeah in between so the the investors that you have they're also member of the boards uh not all of them but some of them are yes is that a how does that uh, happen that some are some are not what's the system behind that you elect board members once every year um, and uh, yeah so we elected the ones that were the most interested in serving on the board and also if you get in some external investors like bigger ones they uh, want to have a board seat it's Mm. part of the terms 
mm. for doing the investment. Mm. So it's a mix. And so there are votes happening also during board meetings? Yeah, you vote on important questions mm. and then you recap what you voted mm. uh, about last time everyone mm. saw each other. And how long did it last today, for example? Um, today was two hours, I think, two hours, 15 and, minutes. And how many times a year? Uh, right now we actually have one every month because there's so much happening. So, I mean, more seldom would be, it would be tough to recap two months of change for mm. Karma right now. Mm. Uh, but I think the the goal is to stretch it out a little bit further. Mm. Cool. Not that mystic. No, <laughs> <laughs> we demystified it a bit together. Yeah, <laughs> it's been demystified. Yeah, I think I think what I, I find very attractive in that uh, s- setting a board meeting is the idea of having um, establishing strategies, having a very high level views of the companies and a good understanding of where we're trying to make it go. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, most of that is actually still by the, the founders and then we present it to the board and the board mm-hmm. is like, that sounds like a reasonable strategy. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, a lot of it is it's still happening in workshops. Uh, like here yeah. in this very yeah. room and are there some some qualities that you were looking for in board members that you didn't care to have for investors for example yeah absolutely i mean they're usually one and the same for us mm. at least at least on this stage and uh, prior experience uh, mm. which almost everyone has and um you know being reasonable like a personality that thinks what's best in the company's interest. Uh, if they're an investor as well, they have to be able to separate like what's best for themselves and what's best for the the company, mm. and try to serve for for the purpose of the company. Mm. And uh, in all that, earlier I asked the question of uh, about mentoring for um, being a CEO. Do you? I kind of go back to that again. Um, now you're in a close world with your company and the investors and the the chair the the members of the board yeah do you also have outs- outside input on how to run all that how to some yeah absolutely i have some like external like touch points that i can mm. like people that i can talk to about like what we're doing at karma and ideas that we have mm. um that i know that i can trust but uh yeah most we have so like the people inside of karma and on the board and investors are are some really really good people so mm. uh we're very lucky to have them and they help out with like whatever we can come up with great is there something else that uh, we didn't cover that you want to be on i don't know i don't think so not that i can think of Awesome. So what's the name again? Jalmar Stolberg Norgen. <laughs> Impossible. The international career is dead before it even started. And so people go on the App Store, tap Kama. Yep. K K A R M A. Exactly. And go buy some food. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. If you do like the podcast, please subscribe, leave a comment on iTunes or wherever you usually get your podcast. This will really help the show and you'll get the next episodes right onto your device as soon as they come out. 
You can find more information on the website, which is conversationsthatinspireoneword.wordpress.com. That's conversationsthatinspire.wordpress.com. Or you can contact me on Twitter at Romaine Podcast. One word. See you on the next episode.